You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Eurosimos. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Here for the Truth podcast. We truly have an amazing guest today. We have Kevin Sorbo in the house. Kevin Sorbo is an actor, producer, and director. He received international stardom when he booked the lead role in Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, which became the most watched TV show in the world. Following that success, Sorbo had the lead role as Captain Dylan Hunt in Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. Sorbo also starred alongside Dennis Quaid and Helen Hunt in Soul Surfer and also starred in the faith-based movie God's Not Dead. The $2 million budgeted movie became the most successful independent faith-based movie ever with over $140 million in theatrical, streaming, and DVD sales. In addition to many other film and TV projects he's been involved in, he's got a few, he's got a few movies set for theatrical release soon, such as Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist, and the major motion picture Reagan, with Dennis Quaid playing the late president and Kevin playing the role of his pastor. And since 1997, Kevin also leads a world fit for kids, um, a successful mentoring model that trains inner city teens to use school, fitness, sports, and positive role models for themselves. And that's been the number one after-school program in the state of California for 25 straight years. And on top of all that, Kevin's faced some pushback in secular and liberal Hollywood for his conservative Christian views and for speaking out the last few years against the mainstream COVID narrative. What an introduction, Kevin. Thank you so much for making the time for us. My pleasure. It's good to be here. Man, one, one way we usually love to kick off these podcasts, especially with new guests, like we know Hercules had his own major rites of passage, but we want to know what Kevin Sorbo's major rites of passage were and are. What are the most pivotal moments in your life and career that I guess really turned and molded you into the man you are today? Wow. Um, I don't know where to start. I mean, I, I guess uh, certainly my parents were instrumental in my my development and my growth and my, yeah. my, my strong-willed uh, attitude towards things um, and the desire to work hard. Uh, when I was 13, I met the Reverend uh, Billy Graham. That was a huge moment in my life, uh, having meeting that meeting that gentleman. Um, uh, you know, moving and moving to LA, not knowing a soul, and pursuing that actor's dream. I wanted to be an actor since I was 11 years old, and uh, I just pushed myself and pushed myself and went out there. And I was a I was a double business major in in, uh, in college, and so I, I went out there and treated uh, show business as it is a business. And I, I pushed myself, didn't know anybody, but I went out there and I, I just, I hit the ground running and um, not much of a game player. I'm not much of a Hollywood guy. I grew up in small town, Minnesota, about 7,000 people. So I'm not, uh, I don't know. It was, I was never, I, I love the state. It's beautiful, but I, I, I was never really in the Hollywood world. You know, I was not the type of guy to really, do the schmoozing and butt kissing that so many people have to do, I think, to, to make it. Um, certainly getting married and certainly having three kids. Those are huge, huge things in my life. I got ama three amazing children. Um, we're, we're homeschoolers, homeschool advocates. They're now 21, 19, and 17, but uh, awesome kids. Uh, unfortunately, uh, homeschooling them, they grew up on movie sets. My two boys are, are involved in the business as well. I would never wish this business on anybody, but they they love it. And uh, my 20-year-old just finished his seventh movie, and my other son just booked his fourth movie. So wow. they're staying busy, and they're doing their own thing. That's amazing. What do you love most about the business, about storytelling? 
I, you know, I fell in love with movies early in life. My mom, uh, you know, I'd sit with her on the couch watching old black and white movies, reruns of uh, Cary Grant and, you know, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn, Jimmy Stewart, all those guys, you know, Humphrey Bogart. And that was, that was kind of, I, I was really, I love, I still love movies like that. And I love the fact that I passed it on to my daughter who was 17. She, any old time movie, any movie from the 30s, 40s, 50s and 60s, she wants to watch them with me. And uh, the bug was set early for me. I, I love the creative process. I mean, my hero growing up was Paul Newman. Um, mm. I, I got, a, I got a, a letter from him framed on my wall here, uh, which is really cool. And I just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's always, I love the creative process. I just love it. I love being on the set. I love acting. I love directing. I started directing back in Hercules years, you know, seven years down in New Zealand. It was fantastic down there. Um, I don't know. I just, I love to stay busy in it. I just love being part of that creative world. I mean, it's, I don't like all the politics of Hollywood and all the other stuff that goes around it. But once you're on the set, um, that I love that little world right there. Yeah, man, I hear you. I, I trained as an actor for 10 years and worked a little bit, not at any level that you worked at. And I, I appreciate that element of it. But there's definitely aspects of the industry and the business that uh, just rubbed me the wrong way, for sure. But, you know, it's and it's a tough business. I mean, it really is. I mean, I I never really um, like I said, I. I can always tell when guys are they in the acting classes to meet girls or in the acting classes to actually to actually try to be an actor. So I could kind of suss that out pretty quick. But I um I don't know. It's just the, the goal was set. I was one of the very fortunate ones. I, I I don't know of too many actors that have moved out to Hollywood that never had to work another job. I never had a bartender or do any of stuff, wait tables. I, I worked very well commercially. I shot over 150 commercials in my career. And uh as you know, um, you know, that's the, the residuals pay, pay for everything, you know. So I I was lucky to find an apartment in Santa Monica. I was I was basically, you know, less you know, blocks from the ocean, blocks from gold's gym. So for a guy in his 20s, that was heaven, you know. And I after every time every gold gym workout, I would either rollerblade or bike all the way down to Manhattan Beach back up again. I mean, that was my way to work off the frustrations of rejection in the industry, because there's a lot of rejection. And uh, I just kept plugging along. Every time I got rejected or said, you're too this or too that, I, that was just fuel to the fire to me. And I just I just kept plugging along and said, no, I'm, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it on my own merit, too. Yeah, you found yourself a good area there. My wife and I were a few blocks away from Gold's Gym for several years. Um, oh, really? I was, on yeah. Ocean Park, I was on Ocean Park Boulevard there. We, we lived at Fifth and Hill for several oh, yeah. years. And I then know. we moved out to Topanga a few years ago. So, yeah, it's a beautiful area for sure. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that too, just in terms of the perseverance and what separates someone who is successful uh, in this business versus someone who's not? I know you've spoken about failure as a good thing uh, before in other talks you've given, so I'd love to sure. to hear your take. Well, I'm, I, I learned that early. Uh, but I mean, I, I'm the fourth of five kids. My dad was a school teacher. My mom was a nurse, but stay-at-home mom with five kids. So uh, they all taught hard work to all of us and discipline and I started a paper out when I was just nine years old. And in Minnesota, if anybody knows what Minnesota winters are like, you got about five months of 10 to 20 below zero every day. So um, I was out there delivering 80 papers at 4, 435 o'clock in the morning, six days a week. For, yeah. I did that for seven years. Wow. So uh, I learned hard work and I learned responsibility. Whenever it snowed, my dad would Xerox off a bunch of things for me and I'd pass on all the neighborhoods around. I'll shovel your driveway, you know, get the snow out of there. I mean, I was, I was very, very... Uh, entrepreneurial, you know, I, I busted my butt doing that. And my dad put that in all five of his kids. But uh, I just think that, you know, when I got into college, there's two summers I worked at this country club. 
you know, we didn't have any money. Like I said, a teacher's salary of five kids, you don't got any money. So I think my dad's last salary as a teacher when he retired back in 87 was 35000 for the whole year. And I, I looked at it and said, how do you how do you have five? How do you have a house? You know, and stuff like that. But um, I, I worked at this country club and all these guys are pretty wealthy guys. It was a private country club just outside of uh, Minneapolis there. And I would ask these guys, you know, I was, I was 19, 20 years old those summers. And I said, how did you get to where you are? And every one of them said I failed. And I failed and I failed. And this one guy said, well, I'm a 10-year overnight success. So I always say that to people. I'm a 13-year overnight success. So um, you, 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 there's a lot of, lot of uh, you know, L.A. is called the city of angels, right? Los Angeles. But it's really the city of broken dreams. I and mean, it really is. I, I look at the number of people. I, I studied with three coaches over, over a period. I mean, I, I only studied with three during that time period before I got Hercules. And um, I think there's only there's only – about a half a dozen that really made a great career. I mean, my last acting class that I was in, I had Brad Pitt in my class before he became Brad Pitt. I had Matthew Perry in my class and Charlotte Ross. And I mean, it was an amazing class to see, you know, where people were came out of. But I look at other classes. Uh, it was weird. There was one class I took by uh, the acting coach. His name is Richard Brander. And Richard, um, what I liked about him, you got to work every day. You got to work every time to come. you came into class. You just got to get up there and do something. And he, one of his former students was Kevin Costner and Costner came into the classroom to speak to us. He was filming the bodyguard, my bodyguard at that time, or the bodyguard with Whitney Houston at that yeah. time. And, um, he came in to talk to the class and he comes in. The first thing he said is, um, nice to meet y'all. I just, I, I don't want to disappoint y'all, but none of you are going to have success in this business. And I totally understood what he said when he met, but you could see the air just go out of the room, you know, but he talked for the next two hours, took some questions and stuff like that. At the end of the class, I walked up to him and I said, I know exactly what you meant when you said that, but uh, I'm to be honest with you, I'm going to make it. And he goes, well, it's good for you. So flash forward, I get Hercules a few years later. And by season three, we're the most watched TV show in the world in 176 countries. I get invited by Kevin Costner and Prince Albert to play in a golf tournament in Monte Carlo. And I'm an avid golfer. I golf all the time. So um, I happen to have that time off. I like I like a 10-day break on, on Hercules. They had some major rewrite they want to do. So I flew from New Zealand to Monte Carlo. And I'm on the range when I got over there. As soon as I got off the plane, I had to do something because I was jet lag. I'm hitting some balls. And Costner walks up to me and he goes, Kevin, so good to hear you, man. It's Kevin, Kevin Costner, why you know you are? I said, hey, you studied Richard Brandon's class years ago. And you came in and talked to the classroom of the bodyguard. And he looks at me and goes, yeah, I did, I did do that. That's right. Yeah. And I said, and you said this. And he goes, wait a minute, you're the guy who came up to me and said you're going to make it. And I said, I'm the guy. He said, congratulations, welcome to the welcome to the team, you know. So it was, I I, it was kind of cool. It was, yeah. it was, it was a neat moment. And uh I'm bugging him now because I just shot a movie up in Montana when they were last filmed their last episodes of Yellowstone. And I said, dude, give me a three short, make me a bad guy, kill me. I don't care. I want to be on Yellowstone. Yeah. So I'm working on it. That's, That's awesome, epic, man. Real quick, it makes me. Real quick, it just makes me think of you. Just have to have that belief in yourself. And the story of Tom Brady on the first day of training camp, he oh, goes yeah. up to he goes up to Robert Kraft, and he's like, "I'm gonna be the best decision you ever made." Yeah. I mean, look at that twenty years later. And I guess he was. Yeah, <laughs> I guess he was, which is amazing. But yeah, I mean, but that's what it is. I mean, it's it's it's. I used to bug my agent all the time. I I, I already had my SAG card before I moved out here, so that was a big win. I mean, I Minneapolis is host to is home to a lot of national businesses, headquarters for Best Buy and Target, Honeywell, 
3M, uh, Pillsbury, General Mills. So I, I did a bunch of commercials before I moved out there. I had this Screen Actors Guild card. So it was easy for me to get a commercial agent. I knew that would be no problem because I had a great reel with about 20 commercials on it already. So that part was easy. Um, but the rest of it was like, you know, you bet you need to go to New York. You need to do theater. You need to. And I said, what's how many how many credits does Tom Cruise have on Broadway? You know, I mean, I look at this stuff like that. I said, you don't have to go through theater in New York City to have success. Um, look, at all the actors in Canada have a, have a career because Hollywood moved up there. And yeah. part of and part of the, um, the, the requirements to shoot in Canada. OK, we'll give you a better tax credit. We'll give you another dollar exchange because our dollar is weak on yours. But you have to use 75 percent of the cast has to be from Canada. Well, a lot of Canadians became famous because of that. So they were they were at the right place at the right time. When I was in L.A., you know how tough it is. I mean, it's tough. And you walk in a room and you're going, oh, my gosh, OK, this is, you know, 80 guys in here. You know, they're going to pick two. So um, my agent, every time I on the breakdown service, when I found out about something I was right for, I'd call them up. I drove them crazy. I would call at least three times a week. Dude, I should be going for this. They're going for that. So finally, one day he said, Kevin, I got 100 other clients. I said, you know what? Your 100 clients don't give a crap about me, okay? And I don't give a crap about them. Let me have the chance to be rejected. Just let me have the chance to get into the door. Because this was before cell phones. You know, this was back in the late 80s. And, you know, I had a pager, but it drove me crazy living, as you know, living in Santa Monica. Just to drive in Universal takes an hour and a half to go 16 miles. Yeah. So I have so many times where I have castings all day. Then I'm, I'm five minutes from home and I get, oh, they want you have a callback back at, you know, such and such a lot over in Studio City. You're going, OK, then you get back and just turn around and go again, you know, and, and still not get the job. But uh, you put a lot of miles in. And I've always told people, I said, every actor can write the same book of all the frustrations. We really have the same thing. And I said that when I went later to go talk to acting classes in L.A., and I say, how many of you, after you do an audition, get on your get in your car back in the one-on-one and you bite your steering wheel and go, why did I do it that way? What? And you're mad at yourself. Said, you have to get to a point where you just go, they don't pick me, it's their loss. And that's when it really started working for me. Mm. I said, boom, I, I let it go. And I started working more and getting called, called back on TV shows and movies. I did a couple of pilots before I got Hercules that I got the lead in. So things started changing when I got able to like meet with Steven Spielberg for Sequest. I got to drive and park right next to his. I didn't have to be in the 17th floor of some building at Universal a lot, you know, walk, walk six blocks. I said, OK, things are changing a little bit. I can know I noticed just a little change of getting them treated a little bit differently. Yeah. Why do you think we're losing that level of resilience as younger generations come through and come up? What do you mean? You, the resilience? Oh, okay, well, I'll take because they well they all want to be famous right away nowadays. I mean the, the internet and the, and all these these apps and TikToks and stuff. This is a wild west right now, and they all want to be famous right away without putting the effort into it and putting the time into it. And uh, it it just doesn't work that way. And I think uh, I think college education for people get a real degree. I mean, what a degree in 17th century French literature or something? What what is that going to get you? People, I think people need to. I'm not going to say this because people said it to me. Well, you always have, you know, your degree to fall back on. I said, no, no, no. That's just that's just fuel the fire for me even more. But I, I, I look at people going to college now, and it's all about well, it's indoctrination. It's crazy what's happening in college. I never had teachers tell me who to vote for. I never had teachers tell me to believe in God or not believe in God. We have such crazy uh, the last thirty years from kindergarten all through universities. Now it just gets worse and worse every year. But that's a whole other topic we can talk on. But I think that plays into. Yeah. The fact that kids just give up quicker now. 
if they're not successful right away, it's your fault. It's God's fault. It's a God I don't believe in's fault. It's my parents. You know, I quit. Let the government take care of me now. And I think this has kind of been the spread of all the anger we're seeing in all our cities around the world right now. I think there's just so much, uh, you know, I I, 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 I don't want to try anymore, you know, and people just give up. And there's uh, their, their answer is to attack people that have had success. Um, what, you know? This is what happens when victimhood is rewarded. Yeah. Yeah. No, everybody get a trophy. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy right now. It's, uh, it's, it's, I feel bad for my kids and what they got coming down the pipeline for them. But I mean, it's, it's nuts what the world is, has happened to the world right now. And, you know, in the, in our, we just had that election recently, once I get more voter fraud, but if, if, if the voting was decided between 30, 18 years old and 30 years old, we'd be a full on communist country right now. They mm-hmm. actually believe communism is a good thing. And I'm going, wow, there's an they're not that there's uneducated there. There's ignorance there. There's stupidity there. I mean, uh, communism and socialism killed 100, 100 million people in the last century. And this they have no idea of what they're talking about. We're tearing down statues in America. What country hasn't had good, uh, good and bad history? Every country does. Yeah, every country does. And to sit there and say that America, I mean, we are destroying the American dream. People are attacking you now for being successful, which is crazy to me. They'd rather everybody be the same. We're not all the same. That's why every once in a while you get a Tiger Woods come along and a Michael Jordan, which motivates other people. Like, I want to be like Mike, you know, and people want to work hard. But now now we get attacked for wanting to do that. But I think there's a tipping point. I think people are finally starting to wake up because this wokeness and cancel culture BS is just ridiculous. It's so stupid and infantile. But we're like we're letting that we're letting children run the insanity asylum right now. It's nuts. Yeah. And yeah. adults with child psychologies running things as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. It is. Look at the teachers out there. Most of them under 40 years of age that are just, oh my God, I said, are you kidding me? Really? This is where we're at right now? I mean, it's just, it's it's unbelievable. And teachers want to be like, well, I'm going to be cool and hip like my students. No, my dad wore a suit and tie every day to teach seventh and eighth graders. But it showed, boom, I'm the boss. I'm the one in charge and I'm here to be professional. So I I was I was impressed with him that he did that. Um. So since 2020, you've really obviously stood out because of your values, right? But have those have the have those values always been there? Have you always questioned, I guess, the potential of government overreach and government tyranny? Or was that something that you decided to really step into once you saw what was really looming when 2020 came around? No, it was before that, way before that. I started yeah. getting very vocal. I, and I never backed down from them. When people said things in the set that I thought were just stupid, I wouldn't say it out loud to them. But I individually, I'd pull them out and go, why did you say that? What, 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 where's your, where's your evidence of that? It's like the labels they want to throw around now. You're a racist, you're a homophobe. I love it when people find I'm a conservative and they go, oh, you're, 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 you hate gays. And I'm going, okay, I've been in the business 40 years. I got, I've worked with gay people in every movie set and TV show I've ever done. Find one that says I was horrible. Find one because they won't, but they love their labels because that's about the, the, the level of their education. They just take the talking points from, from you know, MSNBC, and then they go, you're anti-Semite. Really? I don't think so. <laughs> you're a Nazi. Oh, really? Okay, that's interesting, too. They love putting those labels out there. But I got vocal um, back in 2010 on the Internet when it became, you know, it was there. So I started saying stuff. My wife said, you better look out. They're going to take you down. I said, but I'm posting the truth. I'm saying the truth. Sure enough, my agent manager called me in. I was with ICM for many years, and they said, we can't work with you anymore. And I said, well, why? And I said, well, because you're, you know, the studios, you're Christian, you're conservative. And I'm going, wow. And you're the ones who scream for tolerance. And they do. 
They scream, yeah. for, they scream for tolerance forever. Be tolerant of what we're doing. Be tolerant. Have tolerance. But it's a one-way street with these guys. They're hypocrites, and they yeah. they don't they don't care. At the last four or five years, they are blatant about their hypocrisy. They don't care. They could give a crap that they're lying, that they're you know do as I say but not as I do mentality. I mean, look at all these bozos over there right now talking about climate change. They all flew over there in private airplanes. You know, it's like it's like these A-listers that come out every time there's a shooting somewhere. We got to get rid of guns. These are the same guys that just killed 100 people in their last movie with guns. So, you know, maybe maybe they should start walking the walk a little bit instead of just, uh, you know, playing this playing this card that's just so ridiculous. And how many of these guys say they're going to lead if, uh, you know, if Bush gets elected or Trump gets elected? I'm going to Canada. They, none of them left. None of them left. I keep waiting for them to move. <laughs> Do you think the country's going to care if you move to Canada? I don't It's just stupid. It's yeah. all talk. But you hit the nail on the head in terms of, uh, you know, uh, individuals or a political party or a group that preach so much inclusivity. And it's like if you have even three degree difference of opinion on something, it's like the rage oh. comes out. The judgment comes out. How dare you? And then again, they throw the labels on there like, oh, if you're questioning the narrative of the last few years, you're automatically like like a hardcore right winger or whatever the case may be. And they yeah. just throw these, like you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a transphobe. And and, it, and it, nothing could be, there's, it's nothing like that. Yeah. Well, People look can't at Antifa. Take critical analysis. Look at Antifa. They are the fascists. But that, yeah. everything they do is deflection. They push it back on the other side all the time. But everything they blame the right on, the left is already guilty of it. I mean, it's a brilliant strategy and it does seem to be working, but I think some people are waking up. But um, you know, we 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 have a government now that uh, is worse than a monarchy back 250 years ago when we started a civil war. I mean, a, a revolutionary war against them. But p- people are just, you know, every time they take an inch, they take an inch, they take an inch. It ends up being a lot over mm-hmm. many, many decades. And there, there's we have more taxes against us now. What was the taxation of representation? We started taxes in World War One. They never stopped it. And all they have, have done since is add on more and more and more and more. You literally have to work seven months a year in America and give that all to the government. They let you keep the other five months, but they know what to do better with your seven months of work than you know what to do with it. When the reality is that they didn't tax us at all, I think things would be pretty darn good. I think the people are, this country is still a very giving country and people would help people out. But you know, what, what happens, what happens when you have money to spend? Things get made. Jobs are created. I mean, it's it's common sense for for economics, but they I mean, it's it's nuts what Biden did right away. Everything he's done is opposite of what this country should be doing, but they don't care. That's what they want to do. They want to destroy this country. And why? It's all about power. It's all about power and money. And their favorite weapon is fear. They love fear to control our lives. Yeah, it really is this slow march through the institutions that's been happening for for decades you know, we we had the pleasure of interviewing G. Edward Griffin uh, last year, and he's kind of been a legend in the in the, in the liberty freedom movement. And he did a great interview with uh, ex KGB uh, defector um, Yuri Bezmenov. It was an interview from 1984 that I that I recommend to everyone. And when you watch that interview from from back then, it literally makes sense, like it's happening right now. But people don't see it because it happens. Little by little by little, it's like the whole analogy of putting like a, a frog in boiling water, you know, or just having it boil. It's just they don't notice these incremental shifts and changes. And then on top of it, you have all the media, you have the indoctrination, you have the programming, you have the education. And so people, they can't they don't realize this. They're losing their ability to to have discernment and critical, critical, critical thought at this nuanced level. Yeah, well, apathy is the biggest killer. 
I really think apathy is what's killing this country and let, let them kill the world as well. They just, oh, well, what are you going to do? And I've heard many people say that. I go, well, you know, it says we the people. It's we the people. We're the ones who are supposed to put people in office to represent us. But they stay in, their, they stay in office for 40 years. And it's all about power. And how do you how do you become a multi, 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 multi-millionaire at a job that pays $140,000 a year? And they all have so much money tucked away. And they manipulate the stock market. They know when the stocks are going up and down. Of course they do. You know, it's just it's it's crazy to think that they have they don't have a foot in that world. So it, I people, how do you wake people up? They have an attention span of a gnat now. You see yeah. four teenagers out at a restaurant and they're just texting the whole time. They probably what are you having to eat? And they're probably texting it to the person across from them. They've lost the art of conversation at all. It's just, it's amazing. But um, all, like I said, a lot of this stuff, there's just a dumbing down on purpose. And I do like technology. I'm the first to say it. Yeah. But uh, it's, um, it's, it's an it's, amazing tool. It's an amazing tool. But yeah, no question. no question. Yeah. Was there a, was there like a turning point where you noticed like the wokeness really ramp up in Hollywood, in Hollywood? I, I don't know the exact reasons why, but it's certainly in the last, in the last, I think when Trump got elected, that's when it started kicking in and it just got even worse and worse. Here's President Trump. Here's a guy that the left used to love. I mean, they, he was on all the talk shows. He was, I mean, he was, he was universally like thought as a funny, goofy, great guy, smart guy, obviously, but just a great guy to know. The minute he threw his hat in the right side to run for that, they just turned on him. It was unbelievable the way they turned on him. And I'm going, well, wait a minute, here's a businessman. I've always said, I've always said, get rid of politicians. I want a businessman to run the country. And I've said that way before Trump threw in his hat. And he, he, everything he said he was going to do, though, he did. I mean, do you honest, do people, college students honestly believe when Biden said, we'll make sure you never have to pay your student loan back? Really? And so the guy who's a plumber working his butt off for his family, make, making $85,000 a year, he's got to pay for the four years uh, you to party and go to college football games? That's the, our job now is to do that. And it's it, it, it's not going to happen. You can make that promise. I told the next politician, promise everybody free pot. Everybody under 40 will vote for you. Just everybody gets free pot. You never have to pay for it. You don't have to do it. Just say it. Because when you got a trillion dollar bank account sitting there waiting for you to use as a government, as a, as a president, you'll say anything and do anything for that kind of power. Because when they, when people go, well, Trump had such an ego. Like Obama didn't have an ego. Any president of any country doesn't have an ego. Justin Trudeau, I mean, you know, Fidel's son up there in Canada doesn't have an ego. Are you <laughs> kidding me? I mean, it's just, it's it's so bizarre you make that kind of statement, but it's only because it's hate. But yeah, I, I post, Facebook took me down two years ago for posting the truth. I could say the same stuff now and they wouldn't be able to take me down because everything I said was true. And I, I posted on Twitter, I said, I need more conspiracy theories because all of mine came true. So, I mean, it's it's a weird battle out there we have to have, but these people, these people hate themselves. If I could do a if I could do a documentary on them, talking one by one, these are people who look in the mirror and hate who they are. They hate their life. They're probably from broken families. They're probably there's probably violence in the past or alcoholism or drugs or something. And along comes a guy like George Soros. They could probably collect an unemployment off our tax dollars, all that stuff mixed together. And their family, it's gang members. It's gang members. I mean, they and they walk around the streets and they attack buildings uh, and private and businesses and they they attack people in these businesses with tire irons and baseball bats and they're killing people and and we're, we let that go on for a whole summer. Mostly and, peaceful, mostly peaceful. Yeah, mostly peaceful. Things are blown up behind them. And CNN guys sitting there. Some mostly peaceful cop cars on fire, buildings. You know, people 
<laughs> you know, just beating you. I mean, it's it's it it is amazing to me that people aren't looking at that and seeing the the, the ridiculousness in it all. But I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping people wake up. The sheep are going to be the sheep. I'm hoping the lions wake up. Yeah. We're all about we're all about awakening lions, that's for sure. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they're they're around and they are waking up, and that's the reason why we still able to do what we do, you know, because there's more and more there's people coming around and seeing um, seeing through the the veil for sure. But on on that note, what does make you hopeful? Um, that I that I'm starting to see people come around. I'm starting. I mean, on the last three years on movie sets, um, I've had whether it's an actor, whether it's a camera guy, whatever, come up to me privately and say, "Hey, thanks for being a voice for us." Yeah. So that gives me hope. At least, okay, there's, there's more out there. But I say, why don't you be a voice for yourself? Well, yeah. I don't want to get blacklisted. You, I said, yeah, no, yeah. You know what? I'm not going. I'm not reading for Tom Cruise movies anymore. Okay, but I'm still making movies. You know, I've been shooting four or five movies a year for the last ten years. And are they all great? No, some are pretty sucky. But I like to stay busy and work. But most of them have very good messages, and they have messages of hope, of 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 laughter and love and forgiveness and redemption and things like that. Uh, I'm not a prudent anyway. I'm 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 fine doing. I mean, I just did a vamp. Uh, I did a vampire movie that's going to come out later this year that I shot last year up in Montana. And I did, I just played a 700 year old. Um, I mean, um, I play a 700 year old vampire, but I play a zombie movie I shot in Montana, and they were fun. <laughs> they were fun scripts. Something different for me to do, you know. But yeah. uh, I, for the most part, I want to do movies that Hollywood used to do. Uh, where the good guy is the good guy. The 60s changed everything in America. When you had the Vietnam War, you had the civil rights uh, thing going, you had all the uh, racial tension, you had um, the free love, the hippies, the, the rock and roll really just exploded. And uh, it's just everything changed. Hollywood started making uh, movies that they made the the bad guy the hero. The anti-hero became the cool guy to be. The guy that had a chip on his shoulder and the guy that broke the law and stuff like that. And they do it all the time now. And you see the stuff they're doing now. I mean, they've got an agenda. They're just shoving it down your throat every single movie, every television show now. It's like, okay, enough is enough. And what gave me hope is to see all the people that dropped out of Netflix and Disney. They said, okay, you're going to keep making stuff like this? I'm not going to put this in front of my family. Because I get stopped all the time by people and saying, please make more movies like you're doing, like God's Not Dead and Let There Be Light and Soul Surfer. And I'm going, I'm making them. But you guys got to support them. I mean, I got one of those coming out here uh, Thursday, January 26th. I got my next movie opening in 1,500 screens, and it's called uh, Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist, based on the Left Behind books that sold 80 million copies. And the uh, last one was uh, eight years ago with Nicolas Cage. I took over the role that Nicolas Cage was in and uh, directed this one as well. And this, it, 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 it's one of the writers passed away, Tim LaHaye, but Jerry Jenkins is still alive. His son, Dallas Jenkins, do a little thing called The Chosen, which is massive around the world right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jerry Jenkins said this is by far and away the best Left Behind movie based off the books I've seen yet. And it's perfect for what's happening in our world right now because the writers up in Cloud 10 based up in uh, Toronto, they um, they brought it. They totally did a rewrite and brought in the pandemic. They brought in the social media crap. They brought in uh, the government talking about one world government, one currency, all this stuff, because they're talking about it now. So this is very current. And it feels like with all the anger and all the violence, it feels like the book of Revelation is going to come true pretty soon. And my wife joked that she goes, I think the rapture happened already. And God just looked at the whole planet and said, oh, forget it. It's lost. <laughs> Throw it away. Are so, you doing any... Are you doing any like, LA screenings? Any Los Angeles screenings of yeah, the movie? if they go to leftbehindmovie.com, leftbehindmovie.com, and all you gotta do is show us the trailer and then put in your zip code. And yeah, we got a number of theaters in the LA area. So uh we're in 1,500 screens, so we're very excited. But 
those people they say keep making these movies. I'm making them, but I don't have a hundred million dollar James Cameron Avatar budget to promote it and be on every football game with a trailer. In fact, uh, I'm doing I've been doing 13, 14 interviews every single day for the last three weeks. So um, it's it's really just word of mouth to get it out there because that's what happened with God's Not Dead. That was like crazy, a little two million dollar movie to make that's that incredible money. Yeah, and that was just word of mouth, and we need that. But I'm doing the best I can to get it out to different markets right now and saying, please tell your churches, tell your schools, you know what I mean? Because if anything, school children should see this movie. They need to wake up. Yeah. Do you do you find that you have that experience often where a lot of people um, that are in Hollywood that message you or email you and say, hey, thanks for, thanks for speaking out. I'm on the same page as you, but right. yeah. I get a lot. I've got uh, sorbostudios.com. People can reach me there. And you get the trolls saying stuff too. I don't care. Trolls don't buy. These are, like I said, these are lonely people. They're 35 year olds living in their mom's basement and they're very brave at two in the morning. Um, and I know they're at Comic Cons because they like somebody else and they walk by my table and probably flip me off, but they don't come up to my table. I'm more than happy to debate anybody. I'm happy to talk and chat. But all they, like I said, all they want to do is be angry and have, you know, and have violence. Because, like I said, they just they they do not like where they are in their world, and it's your fault and my fault that they are the way they are. Apparently, um, so uh, you know we got to take care of them and make sure that their lives are a little more safe. But it's just it's just sad. It's just, but I you know I get it all the time. I post on Twitter and I get attacked by all these little trolls. But then all my followers, I got about one point six million on that now. But I had over four million on Facebook when they took me down. But you know, so I, I don't care anymore. I just I said I'm done. I just. I'm going to keep posting my little sarcastic stuff on Twitter. And, you know, I post stuff like, you know, um, if you want to get rid of COVID, tell the Clintons COVID got something on them, you know, it'll mysteriously commit suicide. So um, it's, it's just, it's, uh, I, I know. I think I, on one post, I just went the jab and I got like, I don't know, 1.5 million hits or something. The crazy. Just the jab. <laughs> That's hilarious. Do you think that there's like a potential for I guess more conservative um, actors and you know people within Hollywood to like birth a kind of non woke opposition to to what's currently taking place. Like, is there kind of some kind of hub or collective of you know people that share more conservative values coming together? There was a group of guys back in um, in like two thousand two thousand five that formed a group called FOA. And FOA means Friends of Aid. And they kind of stole that idea from the gay community where they go, are you friends of Dorothy? To find out if you're gay or not from the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So we went friends of Abe for Abe Lincoln, our first you know, Republican president. And we actually built up to about 2,500 strong. Uh, we had meetings. Uh, there was a big uh, ranch meeting every year out at the, out a ranch out in Thousand Oaks. Um, we'd have, you know, really big speakers, you know, like Dennis Miller would be there, John Voigt would speak. And um, we had a lot of political people show up and it was great, you know, cause you walk into a room and you go, uh, you too. It was like, you know, it was like an AA meeting for, for conservatives, you know, it's like, but it was, it was, it gave us hope that there's more people in the industry, but Hollywood has made it so bad for these, for people that you can't open your mouth. Yeah. And uh, I opened my mouth and I don't regret it. That's fine. And I'm I'm sad that Hollywood has done what they've done, you know, to me, but more and more how they feel, because it's weird to me. I did a movie called Let There Be Light and Let There Be Light. I directed it, uh, came out in um, 2017. It did very well. Uh, $2.3 million budget, stayed in theaters for four months. And I get a call opening weekend 
uh, on the Monday afterwards, because we opened up number two per screen average against a $300 million Thor Ragnarok that opened the same weekend. So here's this big movie with $100 million advertising budget, and here's our $2.3 million. We had about a million dollars to put in there to advertise it. And uh, Netflix calls me up and says, hey, you got a huge following in this in this world. This, we're, we're thinking about opening an inspirational division here at Netflix. Who you come speak with us? So this is before I moved out of California. So I went to their offices there in West Hollywood, Hollywood area, and um, had like four meetings over three months with them. And I could tell by the fourth meeting, I don't know if it's just lip service or what, but I said, you guys need to get past your ideology and hate towards people who are conservative and conservative or Christian. Because I guess apparently that's being like a, a double leper in Hollywood. But I, I, I said, there's 80 million homes out there that want this product. You are called show business, not show show. You are you can scream that you love socialism, but you are a capitalist business. Netflix is in the business and all other studios of making money. Let's not let's not kid ourselves about that. So um, it's 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 weird that they wouldn't pull a trigger because I, I'm sure there were some within the company that did because my last meetings were like 12 of the people there. They were all very nice to me. It wasn't antagonistic or anything like that. And I just I was very matter of fact. And I said, let's just try it for a little while. Let's do a couple of movies I've done. I mean, that I scripts, I have a couple of great ideas for TV shows that I've gotten from other people, great scripts. They're not touched by an angel. They're not by, you better believe in God. You're going, they're, 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 they're good movies, like blindside type of thing, right? Mm. The message is there, but it's not in your face. And uh, they still wouldn't do it. And I know there's someone there that, that would do it because if I email a couple of them, they'll email back right away. Yeah, yeah, you know, send us that script. We'll take a look at it. They don't have to do that. They don't have to do that. But I, I, I'm hoping there's a softening with this with this stuff now, with all this cancel culture and this wokeness. Because it just, people are sick of it. People are sick. Pronouns? I got, no, threats, I got threats to my family all the time. And I posted on, on Twitter, I said, if any of you ever hurt my family, your pronouns will be pinata. That's mm-hmm. what your pronouns going to be. So yeah. it's just... Uh, Trust me, we are we are Second Amendment people in this house. We got we're loaded for bear. We got we got a shooting gallery right here on my in my yard outside. My boys, I'm a good shot. My boys are better than me, but we we will protect ourselves. Trust me. I, I love it. Even even like the sensible liberals that I know that maybe have certain opinions that I wouldn't agree with. They're they're not down with the woke shit. Some of them, the ones that I talk to, they're I'm, I have conversations and they're just like this pronoun shit, this agenda being pushed. Yeah, maybe they got the vaccine. Maybe that maybe they aligned with the COVID narrative, but they're just not about this. And so I think more and more people are are getting tired of it personally. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm feeling that too. And I'm glad it is because more people are you know speaking up on it because it it's just it, it to sit there and appease this group of people that are just whack jobs to begin with. It's enough already. Okay, we gave you your 15 minutes. You're done. Move on because it's we got to get better because right now and if you, and if you don't like the country, they say I don't know how many you know tens of millions hate America. Then move. Then move. If it's so freaking great in another country, no one's taking boats from Key West to Cuba. No yeah. one in America is rushing the Mexican border to get into Mexico. I keep saying, go to North Korea, go to Venezuela. There, there, your, your utopia awaits. You know, so I don't know. It's just, it's absolutely crazy. But Joel, are you, are you in Australia? Where are you at? Yeah, man, I'm near Sydney, about an hour south of Sydney. Yeah, I mean, look what they did to you guys during COVID. It's, it's insane. Yeah, it, it, it is insane. I've, I've been hunted by the cops. I copped four individual public health order fines for for breaches, for not wearing a mask, for breaking a curfew, for sitting in the park eating a cucumber during a time where you're only supposed to be outside if you were training or going to the gym. Yeah, it was and that's crazy. when you need to be outside. 
I mean, yeah. they did that. They did that in California. You know, they're arresting people surfing by themselves. There's COVID oh, yeah. on the, you know, but there's no COVID in strip clubs in America. Strip clubs are essential, and so are liquor stores. But don't go to church. And if you go to church, don't sing. I mean, look, I got a book out there called True Strength, and it's called my 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 journey from Hercules to mere mortal and how nearly dying saved my life. At the end of season five on Hercules, I lived there near you. I was down in New Zealand for seven yeah. years. Loved there. I had an aneurysm my period I didn't know about. It blew up my body. I suffered a series of strokes. It took me three years to fully recover. Yeah. It took me four months to learn how to walk and balance again. And uh, I sit there and, and 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 look what I had to go through with that. I ended up doing a lot of speaking events, which was I wasn't ready for that. But I go, well, this is kind of cool. I spoke to so many doctors. And I continued to speak. The last three years speaking to so many doctors at my speaking events. I probably talked to at least 500 face-to-face. Because when I do these speaking events, anywhere from 500 to 3,000 people at the events I go at. And I'll say, masks, what about them? And they, they, they all say, dude, they're useless. They do nothing to stop. They all say it. They admit it. We know it. But once again, it's fear. And I go, six feet apart. They all say, made up. If you really don't want to get a cold, you got to be 20 feet apart at least. From, we can't live life 20 feet apart. I mean, it's just, it was crazy. I just saw finally the New Zealand prime minister stepping down, apparently. Thank yeah, God. In Arden, yeah. Thank God. I mean, crazy, crazy communism stuff. I've lost friends in New Zealand because that's, they believe for her. And I said, really? And that, uh, we can't talk anymore. I'm going, see here, once again, they have no tolerance for another point of view. And that's just sad to me. And it's, and it's childish at the same time. By the way, I live down in, uh, I've shot a couple movies in Sydney, in Melbourne. And I, I lived in, uh, I lived on Bondi Beach for eight months at one time. Wow. Loved it. It's a, it was the site of the 2000 Olympics. That's where the yeah. beach yeah. volleyball was. But I had a, I had a blast. Anyway, it was it was a good time for me. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I I love Australia. I adore this country. Yeah. But you know, personally for me, I'm actually moving to, to Mexico. So United States citizens <laughs> might not be to Mexico. Playing. Yeah, U.S. citizens might not be going to Mexico. But for me, it seems like a good option right now. <laughs> yeah, but you can just walk across the border. We'll give you everything you need right there. We'll give you a cell phone. Perfect. We'll give you. A, we'll, we'll take care of you. I mean, Trump's only let five million across the border in two years. Trump let one point four million in four years. Where are we? We'll have 10 million people in this country before Biden's finally out of office. Where are we going to put 10 million people? And what kind of jobs are they going to do? I mean, it's it's just it's it's insane what we're doing. And we and we were energy independent. Well, he cut that off too. I got we got Calgary up there saying we have 800,000 barrels a day. We're we're ready to give it to America. And Biden's going, no, I'd rather buy from my enemies. Here's the biggest thing. I don't know why we give billions of dollars every year and our taxpayers' money. To countries that hate us, when they could just hate us for free, you know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. What What are you excited about next with your career? I know you got some more movies coming out, but like, what's the vision for you? Um, I'm gonna keep plugging away, doing what I'm doing. I mean, I hope people see the. I I I, I think my movie's gonna get down to Australia. I hope it does. I think they mentioned Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, a couple other places, but. Cool. Um, I got the Reagan movie coming out in the summer with Dennis Quaid. Uh, he and I worked on Soul Server together years ago as well, which was a blast. I've got another movie I directed called Miracle in East Texas. True story set in 1930 about the largest oil refinery in the history of the world back in Kilgore, Texas, right in the heart of the Depression. I shot I shot all three of those movies at, at, at 2021. Last year, I shot five more movies. So those will be out late this year, next year. Um, I just finished shooting a movie now. I got another movie. I'm, I'll be in LA actually coming up, coming up soon to shoot a movie there. 
Um, I'm shooting a movie in Dubai this year in Thailand. So I'm staying busy. You know, I'm I'm still doing if I find a script that I like and somebody, you know, has a real offer, I'm I'm ready to do it. Cause I've I've got about 20 scripts that I want to do that I read through the years that I at one time there was like 30 of them. Now we've done 10. So I got 20 more I'm trying to raise money for. But I get, you know, every week, every I get at least five people at the Sorbo Studio site saying, I got a great script. And I go, are you funded? No. Well, then talk to me later, you know, because I just don't have the energy. I have enough of my own stuff going on right now. But um, yeah. I got I've got I do about 12 to 15 speaking events a year over the last 11, 12 years. That's been an amazing thing. Still doing some comic cons. But I've been I've been banned from some comic cons now because of the woke stuff. I was supposed to be in Australia in November. Wow. I was going to come down there. The guy that runs it. Good guy, conservative guy. And he says, yeah, we got about 20 males from people saying, if he so shows up, we're going to do this or that. And I said, fine, let him do it. Let's let's see if it happens. It'd be great publicity for you. But no, he canceled me. And I said, so you're letting these wimps, these cowards, uh, stop me from coming down there and making money and being and seeing the fans. Because last time I came to Australia, we did, I've done like cons down there three times through the last 15, 20 years or whatever. But I, I did Perth. And Adelaide. And I had lines a mile long. They were so happy that we were down there. Everybody was fans are great because Hercules certainly was a huge hit in Australia as well. Right. It was massive in Australia. I grew up watching Hercules. Yeah. It was huge. It was a that was one of the first TV series I really remember being into as a, as a young boy, you know? And yeah, it had a huge impact. So it's just, it's unfortunate they let the, the smallest minority of people control not only what I'm able to do and things like, cause I like comic cons. I like meeting the fans because I actually spend time with each one and talk to them. Yeah. I don't just sign and have them move on, you know, but uh, it's, it's too bad, but um, you know, I, I have booked about another five of those this year as well. So it's still good. It's still good. I'm staying busy. I'm still doing, going to keep doing movies. Cool. cool. Can you talk about the, the sword behind you a little bit? I'm just curious. This was, this was on the very last day after seven years of filming, um, Hercules, after we finished the last scene, which I got to do with Bruce Campbell, by the way, my my good buddy, Bruce, and um, uh, the props department, which, because my whole crew went on to work in Lord of the Rings, by the way, I don't know if people know that. We were like a training ground for a lot of New Zealander crews. So all the Weta guys, I mean, all our special effects, the crop, I mean, Nyla Dixon, the costume, she won best costume designer for Lord of the Rings. But this was a sword they gave me, and it says, Kevin Sorbo, um, the years of Hercules, 1993 through 1999. Um, the, the journey's over, but the legend lives on. So it's kind of cool inscription on there. Very cool. Kevin, one of the main things that obviously, you know, people are waking up to now and are really concerned about is like the the programming in, in movies for kids coming out of Disney, you know, for toddlers, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, like what advice do you have for, for parents trying to navigate that? I mean, you can't just stop your kids from watching TV and movies altogether. Um, and navigating that whole kind of conundrum. Well, I think, I think one of the blessings of COVID, um, is that 2 million more families in America are now homeschooling. Mm. They woke up. And I think, I think a lot of parents knew our, our public education. I think we're ranked like 27th or 28th in the world. It's pretty pathetic. This is America. You know, but once public education came in, because really everybody was homeschooled for the most part. I mean, public education wasn't around in the 1800s, you know, yeah. so um, uh, Abe Lincoln was homeschooled for crying out loud. So our founding fathers were homeschooled. But uh, they they looked at the public school system because they really reared their ugly head and they put it out in public to show how horrible they are in the indoctrination they're doing from kindergarten on. And people finally just said, wait a minute. 
Maybe we shouldn't be using the public school system as a babysitting service for our children. Maybe we should look at what's going on in school boards. Then they found school boards are even worse. In my state of Florida, um, 12 of the 15 largest school boards have been completely replaced by conservatives by, by a vote. It wasn't just like the governor coming and saying this. They had a vote and they voted all these people out because they want to teach, teach critical race theory, that being white is horrible. You're the evil people of the world, you know. Um, I, th- I think a lot of these a lot of these idiots think that uh, America's only countries had slaves, and uh, that's you know that we're we're the only slavery is still going on. The Muslims do a lot have a lot of slaves. Africans have a lot of slaves. Uh, the, we, when we got our slaves, we got them from black slave traders in Africa. For crying out loud, I think Britain was one of the first countries to get rid of slavery uh, in the early 1800s. America didn't do it until 1865 when the you know the Civil War started and everything, but. Um, everybody knows slavery is horrible and it's evil. But uh, to sit there now, I mean, Cal- California, San Francisco, I don't know if you've heard this. I just I just saw it a couple days ago. Wants to, anybody can prove that they are descendants of slaves. So their great, great, great grandfather was a slave. Um, they will pay them five million dollars. Plus, was it ninety five thousand dollars a year for life? Or something? I heard something like that. If, if I'm a black person living in Florida, I'm moving to San Francisco. <laughs> And just prove five million. Where's that money coming from? That the whole idea that we have to apologize to people that are living in this country, living in 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 what used to be the best country in the world in terms of opportunity. Because yeah. I look, I live in Canada. I love Canada. I was up there, you know, five years shooting uh, Andromeda. But Canada and America became independent roughly the same time in the mid to late 1700s. We're 350 million people now. They're at 30 million. How come they haven't grown the way we have grown? How come this country has exploded in growth when they have a landmass just as much because it's cold most of the time, but still, yeah, it's still colder. How come they're only at 30 million people, but we have grown the way out? Because they're very socialist. But when I lived up there, the people I met, pretty capitalist guys. They believe in capitalism, pretty independent. But it, it's 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 funny that uh People just don't, they don't look at it and just don't get it. And I people don't think, they don't, they don't think. No, like, where, no. where, where do they think this money comes from? Like, who do they, who do they think is paying for it? Like, this is just like, yeah. but no one, no one's taught, no one's taught no. anything anymore. So it's like, it's such a far reach for someone even to put two well, and two together to think, oh, there's other, there's other people paying for this. Not just well, magically coming out of the government, you know. We have a common core math in America, so you can you actually can say two plus two equals five. And if you explain how you got to that, they, they accept that as. So I can't wait for the engineers of the future and trying to figure out why the bridges keep falling down. <laughs> this is just it's crazy. We're living in a world or in a society now that if you're a kid and you identify as a cat, they will put a litter box in the bathroom. I mean, if that doesn't say it all about where we are psychologically um, as a society, then I don't know what does. And even from the. I was if that's say, not mental illness. If that's yeah. not mental illness. It is mental illness. Yeah. It is. And it's again, speaking of like mental illness or psychology, what do you, what happens to a kid's self-esteem yeah. or their development? When they're when they're young and they're white and they're told they're these horrible oppressors, or when they're they're black and they're told that they've been oppressed, like what does that do to an individual psyche? And this is the thing where people don't have this understanding because there is an agenda behind it. And everything we've talked about, if you get to the kids through media indoctrination, through programming, through education, you have them. You have them for life. And this is why I love that I'm not a father. I know Joel is, but I love that more and more people are like, 
F the public school system. We're no. going to create our own little pods. And what's amazing to see is when you see the shit hit the fan, there are people that go, okay, great. What are we going to do now? How can we How can we stand up? How can we grow? How can we come be more empowered and create the life we want to create? I think we've. Got, I think for many many years everyone got comfortable, you know, uh, in 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 our society, and and now people are like, okay, we got to make some shifts and some changes, and it's nice to see that happening. Well, that's the levels of civilization, right? You can look at the Roman Empire, the Egyptian Empire, all of that. They built up, built up. You get that level of of total success and being comfortable, and then it all comes tumbling back the other way. And you know, I look at the stuff that's going on right now. Uh, this whole thing of pushing genders on people, the whole thing is saying, if you're a little boy, you feel like a girl, you can be a girl if you want. Let people decide for themselves when they get older. To put this stuff on five, six, seven, eight-year-olds is crazy to push it on. And parents are even doing it, which makes zero sense to me. I I, I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you, okay, you want to you cut off your balls and become a woman now, really? Okay, go for it. But I, I think what people are tired of is the constant being forced on our throat that we, we have to... I don't know, agree with it. Maybe they don't agree that I'm straight. I don't care if you're gay. I've never had, I, I could care less what people do, as long as not hurting other people, as long as they're not forcing it down. As a Christian, I'm not saying you better become, you better be, believe in God. You know, I don't do any of that stuff. I've got atheist friends. I've got liberal friends. We get along fine. We give each other a hard time, golf, have a beer. We're fine. And they get it too, just like I do, except they just have a different point of view the way they look at things. But I mean, this whole thing now, but the whole gender thing and the pronoun thing. And it's like, enough is enough. I, I would have left being a teacher a long time ago. My high school, we were the Mound Wisconsin Mohawks for over 100 years. We were the Mohawks, little town of 7,000 people. They changed the name to Whitehawks. So I, when I was back speaking to the drama class one, one year, school year, this is, this is 10 years ago, I talked to the uh, principal there, who happened to be Canadian. And I said, and I said, why did you change it? Were, were Native Americans like chanting around the school and hating the name? No, we just thought it was the right thing to do. I go, really? So nobody cared. We're the Mohawks. You got the Redskins. They caved, which is weird. But then the, and then the Cleveland Indians cave. But you still got the Florida State Seminoles. You still, you still have a lot of big sports names that still have Native American names, okay? And uh, so they're not changing their names. They're not going politically correct. So I told them, so you changed it to White Hawks. I said, I don't know. It sounds pretty racist to me. And I walked away. <laughs> You know, so it's just like, this is just this is just so stupid to me. It makes it's, it's so I'm I'm a Mohawk. I'll always be a Mohawk. I've talked to many Native Americans. I've worked with them, and up in Canada, the golf course I was on was owned by Native Americans. I would ask them, you know, are you offended by sports guys using your you know, the names of your you know tribes? No, we think it's pretty cool. They're not offended by it. So it's all. This white world now that has been so beaten down, they're the ones who want to apologize for every. I'm sorry that I'm white. Really? Are you sorry that are you sorry you've created? I mean, you look in this country, the poorest people in America live better than most people in, in developing countries. By far, they live more. Do I wish they had better, better things going on? Yeah, I want better education for everybody. But the Democrats are the one that keeping them in chains. There's no money in for it, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, if black people become successful. And I love the fact that guys are Larry Elder out there. Larry's a good buddy of mine. And then um, uh, uh, Charles Barkley is a friend. And Charles came out just last month saying, we've been voting for the same people for 60 years, guys. Our education is getting worse. Our poverty is getting worse. Maybe we should change something different here. I mean, how many times are you going to walk out the front door and have someone dump a bucket of shit over your head before you say, I'm going to start going out the back door? You know, just do something different instead of the same thing over and over again. And um, 
I don't know if you remember this at all, but you know, we had a big thing about uh, African Americans. If you, they can't show an ID, that's racism. They asked them at voting, and I said, "Well, how do they get on a plane?" Did they just say, "No, it's racism"? You, just, you know, I got all these bombs on me, but I, I, you don't have to see an ID from me. I mean, it's the stupidest thing in the world. So a guy who was a black guy, he went down to Harlem last year, interviewed hundreds of, of locals around there. Do you see that? I saw that. Yeah, I saw and it. He said, "He said, you got an ID? Yeah, I got an ID." You know, the DMV is, yeah, it's two blocks over there. I mean, they all had IDs. And a couple of guys laughed at it. He goes, you guys, well, I don't get what white people think that we can't get an ID. And and the black people should be upset by that, saying, we're telling you as Democrats that you're too stupid to be able to get an ID. That's what we're telling you. And I even had a black actress get in my face about it, give me reasons. I just looked at her and I went, okay, I, this is, it, it was just, it was the most dumbest reasons that, I don't know, but this is, this is the people we're putting up against. And um, I don't know. I can cure the voter fraud, by the way. You make the voting day one day only. There's no month voting ahead of time. There's no mail-in votes. Make it a holiday. You vote on that Tuesday. You show an ID. That's it. Then there's no way you can cheat anymore because it's insane what this country's become. We're, it's a joke. Our, our, our court system, I mean, our voting system is, is the joke of the world right now. It is. It's so wild when you think like in Florida, they were able to like count the votes so quickly. I mean, in Arizona, it's just going on and on you know, and you know, on and you know, on. Mike, you know, Mike Huckabee. I, I know of him. Yeah. yeah I, I just did a show a week ago, Friday. Okay. Terry Lake was on the show with me and she, she legitimately won the governorship of Arizona. Yeah. She's great. The other woman, the other woman didn't even want to debate her. And she, and, and they had all these votes in the middle of the night. Oh, we found more votes, but not for you. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. So That's fun. why mail-in balloting, balloting is such a scam, you know, because all you have to do is show up somewhere with a suitcase. Yeah. 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 Anyway. I could literally almost, just whatever. I think you're I almost done with me. Yeah, almost. Yeah, almost. No, we won't keep For you sure. too long, man. I know you're busy. Give us, send us home, Kevin. What's some final words you have for our for our audience here? Um, go to sorbostudios.com. It's the best place to go and find out the, the best, biggest bang for your buck. Sorbostudios.com. And for those uh, in the States here, you go to my movie this week, leftbehindmovie.com, leftbehindmovie.com. Fill it up. Good movie, good movie for the family. But uh, don't let anyone set your limitations, guys. Don't let anyone tell you what you can and cannot do, especially yourself. Um, you know, crap happens to all of us. We all hit roadblocks in life. Don't react to that by blaming everybody. Look in the mirror and say, okay, it happened. What am I going to do about it? That's what you need to do. Get off, get off your self-pity phase um, you know, it's, uh, you gotta, you gotta, if you want to dream then follow it and go after it hard, don't sit there and blame everybody else. If it doesn't come true, God never promised any of us an easy life. That's all I got to say. Hmm. Man, what can I say? I really appreciate connecting. I appreciate your time. I wish you the best with the, with the movie release and I implore my audience to go. If you feel called to check it out. Love yeah, it. I hope you, I'll get down your way again. We'll, we'll, we'll meet in person, Joel. Yeah, Sounds no good, doubt, man. Kevin. Obviously, look forward to Cross the Pass one day, man. All the best to you. Really appreciate you making the time with us. All right, guys. Take care. Okay. Have a good week. Thank Later, you. man. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. So awesome to chat with uh, the legend of, of the TV screen um, and to really connect with someone who's in that world, who's dealt with you know fame, celebrity status, but stood true to their values, hasn't succumbed to the inversions going on all around us. So just once again, thanks heaps for your support. We really appreciate it. All our other episodes can be found at hereforthetruth.com or on any other podcast provider. If you feel up to it, we'd really appreciate a little rate, review, subscribe from wherever you're watching. Helps little independent podcasts like us um, continue to do our thing. 
And yeah, we'll see you next time. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a the time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean. Fast forward an evolution to a place where we can share that confusion. Yeah, 450 BC, I'm sharing tea with confusion.